When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today we're talking to Dominique Scott, who is a professional runner for Adidas, and she trains in Boulder, Colorado. She is an alumni of the University of Arkansas. She represented South Africa at the 2016 Rio Olympics, and she is from South Africa, and I think she just has a really cool, unique perspective on being a professional runner and collegiate runner in the United States coming from South Africa, so... We talk all about her experience in college, just adjusting to the United States, running the Olympics, what life has been like after the Olympics, moving to Boulder, a lot of other things. And this is just a great episode. I personally learned a lot about Dom and yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on to start for off. Me. Yeah. Um, to start off, do you want to give a little rundown of who you are and what you're about? Yeah, sure. So hi, everyone. My name is Dom Scott or Dominique Scott. Um, I am a professional distance runner for Adidas International. And I was born and raised in Cape Town, South Africa and came over to the States in 2011 to run for the Arkansas Razorbacks. I have so many questions for you just on like, I don't know, your life and your overall running experience, especially being international, because I mean, I only had my experience in like the US. So I'm just so curious to hear about what like the culture was like growing up in South Africa and like how you decided to come over to the US. So I guess to start off, like what was running like for you growing up? Yeah, um, running was, it was something I was like, raised into it was like always something that was a part of my family I guess my mom was a really sporty person throughout her whole life but she only found running at the age of 21 um she said it was on her 21st birthday that she went for her first run and from that really got into marathons and ultra marathons um there's a really big ultra marathon running scene in South Africa with the comrades marathon and two oceans and my mom did pretty well like in the local domestic scene um and I guess just like being her daughter you know I felt like I was raised almost to be a runner or in the running world where um getting up before she she was a teacher getting up before she went into school to do her training and on the weekends following her to her races that all seemed so normal to me you know that was just like my world um and my mom was the cross-country coach at the preparatory school that I went to so of course I was going to try running I was going to try cross-country um so yeah so I feel like in terms of growing up, running was just kind of like the norm to me. It was something that was, um, yeah, I knew about and yeah, it seemed very normal to me. Were you kind of training hardcore when you were younger or were you 
I don't know, more of like a slow riser into the competitive running world? Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't like super competitive or training hard at a young age. I would say I got into the sport at a young age, but that was more just like to play and to have fun. Um, my mom was, like I said, my mom was the coach at the preparatory school that I went to, but I just love sport in general. Like anything that involved like running or moving or ball, like sign me up. I played every sport I was able to fit into my schedule. So in the summer months, I was doing water polo, team swimming, tennis. And then in the winter months, I was um, obviously running cross country, playing field hockey and netball. So some like different <laughs> sports, you know, that they Whoa. are that common here in the US. Um, and on top of that, I was also doing triathlon. Um, so it was really like I wasn't specializing in anything. I was just having a lot of fun. Like some days I had three sports in a day, you know, maybe one before school and then two after school. And I loved it. Like it was just, yeah, like, like I said, if there was, if it was a sport, sign me up. Um, I really enjoyed the team sports uh, because of the team aspect. Um, but through those other sports, I found that I was, good at running and if there was any sport that was going to be able to take me to the next level it was going to be running um I guess it was that I always I made the A teams or you know like my provincial teams like state teams but I don't think it was because of like my skill I think it was more because I was a good runner or a good endurance athlete so I was always put in the positions where you had to run the furthest or run the most or be the most active. Um, so I guess it was through my other sports that I realized like, hey, if there's going to be a sport that I could potentially be great at, it would be running. That's so funny because I feel like that's how a lot of people figure out that they're good runners, especially I would say soccer players in the U.S. It's like they grow up and they can run, I don't know, all day long up and down the field. They're like, oh, maybe I should try running, you know? And that's how they end up like getting into the sport. So it's kind of cool how you found that too. But I can't believe that you did so many sports. Are there any that you wish that you were like better at than running or, or like, do you have a favorite? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I, I think like looking at it now from a, from a professional aspect, it would have been so fun to be a, like a world-class tennis player just because like there are so few of them. It's so prestigious. They obviously make a ton of money. So for that aspect, it would have been awesome to be a tennis player. But I also think that tennis would be a pretty lonely sport. Like obviously you're not on a team. Um, if I had stayed in South Africa, it would have been really fun to be a good water polo player because water polo is such a big deal in South Africa. Just um with our climate it's you know I don't want to say it's always nice all year round but our winters are really mild so swimming and water sports are a huge deal um so I guess you're like the cool kid if you're good at water polo so that's, um, that's I, crazy yeah it's like it was like the team to be on like you like you were the cool kid if you were on the a water polo team oh my so if I'd <laughs> so stayed in South Africa like that would have been cool, a cool sport to be really good at. Um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I love track and field and I'm so passionate about it. So I'm, I'm glad how it worked out for yeah. me. 
I actually played water polo in high school too. I just like can't oh, imagine. Awesome. Yeah, I just can't imagine it being like, I don't know, the sport. I mean, it is, I grew up in California and it's pretty big there just because again of the climate, but everywhere else right. I feel like people don't even know what it is, but it's like, right. it's a really hard sport and you it's have to be really, really tough. Hard. You have to be like aggressive. And that's where I found I was weakest. I'm like, I'm not really aggressive. And people yeah. are like shoving you under the water. Like it's crazy. I don't yeah. know what it's like in South Africa, but I can only no. imagine it's, it probably Same even thing. more tough, yeah. I don't know about more tough, but no, for sure. You're pinching and pulling each other under the water. Um, you know, girls are sharpening their nails and, you know, all t- kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, so I definitely wasn't tough enough either for that sport. I don't think, um, yeah, I don't think I would have made it very far. I was just the, I was the wing. So I would be the swimmer to get the so, ball oh, to the game. Same, I was <laughs> yeah. the sprinter. Yeah, I'll get yeah, the ball. Yeah, they would just use and abuse me for that. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I was a good swimmer growing up, so it makes sense. Like, I just was yeah. not aggressive, and I don't have a good arm. So they're like, oh, yeah, I just swim to get the ball and then pass it to anybody else. So I was like, yeah, perfect. and then you're out, then you're sub. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, Emma, come in. I'm like, yeah, I know. But what was crazy about that sport is that you like, like, we had to check our nails before you go yeah. in and swim. Yeah. You'd have to like show the ref, and it was just so funny. Cause like, if you had too long of nails, you'd have to go file them down. Like, people would be filing yeah. them down on the pool deck. And it's just a wild sport. And I feel like a lot of it people is. don't. People know don't about it. Yeah. People don't believe me when I tell them that. But yeah, you had to line up, and the ref would come and check your nails and like give you a talking to before you started. Definitely <laughs> yeah, a very it was like a lecture, sport. a lecture yeah. before you start. <laughs> Yeah, and you could just you just like size up the other team and like see who's going to be aggressive. And it's not it's, it's such a funny yeah, sport. Crazy. Um. Okay. Well, get, getting away from water polo because I don't know how many water polo players are listening to this. But when did you know that you were going to come to the U.S. to run? I'm always so curious about people um, who grew up in a different country than the U.S. Um, that come and run in the NCAA. Like, what was your experience with recruiting? How did you know you wanted to come to the U.S. and how did you pick a school? Yeah. Um, so when I was 12 years old, um, my dad flew my sister, mom and I over to the US for the first time or for my sister and my first time. We came to visit my uncle, aunt and cousin in North Carolina. They had immigrated from South Africa to the States probably about like, I don't know, 10, 12 years prior to that. They, they've been in the States now for about 20 years, a while. So we came to visit them and it was such an eye-opening experience for me. I mean, I was only 12 years old, but the States just kind of seemed like this magical place to me where um, people were, um, I want to say everything just worked. Um, In South Africa, there's still a lot of struggle. Um, There are parts of South Africa that seem like a first world country, but there's still a lot of parts of South Africa that are third world country. The unemployment rate is incredibly high. Uh, Poverty rate is really high. Crime, unfortunately, because of those two is very high. But when I came to the States, it just seemed like everyone was so relaxed. You know, they weren't looking over their shoulder all the time. Um, And yeah, everything worked in terms of like the systems in place. And on that trip, my uncle and aunt drove my sister and I to some neighboring, some universities in neighboring areas. So we were in Raleigh. So we saw um, NC State, Duke, and Chapel Hill. And I don't know why they were showing us these universities. Like I was only 12 years old. My sister was nine years old. It wasn't like we were anywhere close to making a decision on where we were going to, you know, get our tertiary education. But it was on this trip that I was just like blown away by 
these universities campuses they were just like so majestic to me like you know the campuses were huge and um all the buildings you know matched and looked alike and the sports facilities were better than anything we had in South Africa let alone a universities and it was on that trip that I decided I wanted to earn a scholarship to the States. So I was just 12 years old. I hadn't even run a track race before. At the time, I was only doing cross country in the winter months. Um, so it took me another year or two to find my way into track and realize like, hey, I think this is a sport that I could be that I could be good at and possibly get that help me get that scholarship and get me over to the US. Um, and yeah, I guess by the time I was a senior, I made lots of decisions to try and get me one step closer to earning that scholarship from the age of 12 to 17, 18. And then when I was a senior in high school, I started getting recruited by coaches in the US. Um, my mom was super helpful with um, posting all my results online and you know, filling out my NCAA paperwork. I can't say that I was very good at that myself. Um, and because of that, or through that, uh, coaches in the U.S. were allowed to start recruiting me. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And then did you go on, like, visits? Did you take yeah, your five visits? I took three. Okay. Um, my, my husband loves this story because he just thinks it's, like, so strange and shows how little I knew about universities in the States. Okay. So, because like um so i've got all my ncaa paperwork on, online so the coach coaches in the us are allowed to contact me i think once a week like one phone call a week so a couple of coaches like i think there were maybe like six were calling me um i don't know why i remember it was like every friday evening they seemed to call me which was their friday morning my friday evening and i remember it was like always so fun like listening to these coaches their accents were also strong it seemed like so funny and strange to me um and some coaches started mentioning like hey would you like to come and see our campus like we can fly you over on a visit and i thought you know that sounded amazing um so i honestly chose which schools i was going to visit by pretty much like my likeness of the coaches over the phone. Like I didn't do any extra research, like what the programs were like or who was on the team at the time. Like it was really like, oh, I enjoyed chatting to this coach, this coach and this coach. And I guess I'll, I guess I'll fly across the world to visit them and see their programs and their school's facilities. Um, so just like super random. So I visited three schools. I flew by myself. I went to Washington State, the Cougars, mm -hmm. then to Arkansas, the Razorbacks, and then to Nebraska. I think they have the Huskies. So just like three completely different programs. Like <laughs> so three, different. <laughs> so random. Like three totally different parts of the US. Like they couldn't have been more different. That is so crazy. But I mean, talking to the coach, I feel like isn't the worst way to kind of get a feel for like what the program's gonna be like. I mean, right. it's better than, I don't know, basing it off of like the way the outside of a school looks, you know? So yeah, that's true. That's you have, true. you have a lot of interaction with your coach. I mean, at least I did like a lot of my experience was like with my coach and you spend a lot of time with them. So it's not for it's sure. Not the worst, it's not an, the worst thing. Yeah, that's true. They're very important, like part of the puzzle. So yeah. So I visited those three schools. It was in February of 2011. So I go to Washington state. It is like bitterly cold. My 
um, suitcase actually got lost on my trip over to the States. So I get to Washington State. I'd flown by Europe. So like, you know, flown around the world to Washington State. And I don't have any clothes. I don't have any clean clothes. So one of the girls on the team very sweetly lent me some clothes that I could like go for a run in. And, but she didn't give me a pair of gloves. So I go out on this run. The assistant coach had like dropped me off at some dirt road and was driving his car next to me or the team van next to me. And my hands went blue and I got in the van like halfway through the run. I didn't even complete the run. I was like, there's no way I can come here. Like I'd also come from sunny South Africa because, you know, the seasons are the opposite. So I'd come from summer to Pullman, Washington yeah. um, in February. It was such a shock to the system. And unfortunately, from that run, when my hands went blue, I was like, I really don't think I can do this. Yeah. It's so funny. You go on your visits and you, there's, I think there has to be like one event that happens where you just like realize either, yes, this is nope. it or no, yeah. it's not it. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of like that, any of the things I've had. I, I don't think I had any more, like anything traumatizing like that. I feel like that would traumatize me. Well, it was just like, it was just so unfortunate because, you know, I didn't have my clothes and then yeah, I go on this run. My hands go blue. I've never run in temperatures that cold before. Um, so I go from there to Arkansas. Arkansas had just had like a huge, crazy snowstorm. I think they had like two feet of snow, which Arkansas barely gets snow. That's probably the most they've had in the past 10 years. Coach Harder was like on top of it, though. He got the city to plow the bike path or, you know, the city path so that we could run on it during the weekend. But I went on a run with the team. I'd never run on snow or ice before. And I go and I fall twice on black ice, like hard, hard. And oh, so no. I leave Arkansas. I had a great trip at Arkansas. And I was embarrassed that I'd fallen, like this little South African girl, like no idea what black ice is. But I went home with like a purple hip because I'd fallen twice on my hip. Um, but yeah, Arkansas was a great visit. And apart from that, and then I went to Nebraska and Nebraska just like really didn't excite me when I was there. I think I'd had such a great time at Arkansas and just, I guess, knew when I left Arkansas that that was the place I wanted to be. Yeah, that's what happens. I mean, when you find the school for you, I feel like a lot of the time you go on your next visit, you're like, okay, I think the last school was the one that I want to go to. Yeah, uh, can I get home now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you go on all of them on the same trip? Yeah, on the same trip. Okay. Yeah, I think, and it was just like 24 hours or maybe 48 hours at each place. So it was really quick. Man, you probably left and got home and were so exhausted because visits are tiring. Yeah, they're exhausting. I I had a blast. Like, it was so cool for me. So eye-opening. I do remember, um, I guess this is a little off, off topic, but I do remember right before the trip getting really nervous that I didn't know where I was going. Like the only place I'd been in the US was Raleigh, North Carolina. So I got my mom to email the coaches and get them to send a photograph of themselves or whoever was going to be picking me up at the airport because I didn't even know like who I was going to meet. And yeah. So it was, it was a crazy trip as an 18 year old for sure. Yeah. And like social media wasn't really a thing back then. Right. So right, it's like yeah. no one really knew anything. Yeah. That's funny. Okay. And then you, so you just, we were really talking about like visits. This feels like so long ago. I feel like for probably both of us, but um, you decided on Arkansas. How was your overall experience yeah. there? 
incredible like honestly i have nothing bad to say like maybe it's boring but i just love my time at arkansas i mean obviously things went pretty well for me so i think that's a big reason for the you know the fact that i enjoyed my time there but um it was great coach harder became like my us dad i feel like he really gave me the time and was patient with me um i think he understood that as an international athlete i needed slightly longer or slightly more time to adjust to things and adapt to life in the us and he gave me that time and for that i'm so grateful like he could have very easily after my freshman year been like nope pack your bags you're going home you know because i had maybe i hadn't lived up to my full scholarship in his eyes but he really didn't put pressure on me from the get go um yeah he let me kind of like adjust and ease my way into things and um you know when things started going well like i just felt like uh the team and coach harder had my back and they gave me the space and the um the support to just continue to excel um so yeah really just a great experience all in all like i wish i could go back and do it again how was adjusting to the us what do you find was like the hardest thing or like the most surprising thing about I guess US culture or just like I don't know your college experience. I would say the hardest thing it's a little hard to explain but just like feeling so I don't want to say out of place but just like feeling so different. Um obviously I have an accent. I had a much stronger accent 8 years ago and whenever I said something if I was at the bookstore, you know, getting a textbook, if I was getting food at the cafeteria, and like no matter who it was if it was my teacher if it was a classmate like everyone was always like picking the words that i was saying you know they were it wasn't that they were being nasty it was just like either they didn't understand me so they were asking me to repeat myself or they were like oh wow where are you from and then they would tell me a story about them them going to cape town or you know their friend having gone to cape town and you know just like asking me all these questions and it was all very sweet and sincere but as an 18-year-old who was just trying to fit in and almost like try to forget the fact that I'm hundreds of thousands of miles away from my family and that I'm not quite the same as everyone like that was the last thing I wanted um you know to constantly be reminded that I'm different and yeah that I wasn't from there so what what do you think kind of helped you adjust to that Um I mean I think people just started to get used to my accent. Yeah, less you were commenting um, on on your team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think over time like people got bored of my accent and uh people understood the little things that I was saying. Yeah. Um I think that they also um you know realized that they couldn't keep uh picking my sentences apart and asking me to repeat myself. I also started to change and adapt the words that I was using um you know to adjust to the US vocabulary yeah. um so I think a combination of those things all kind of made it uh, dissolve slowly yeah i so i don't really know but that much about arkansas like running history i don't know like how long their program has been good for but like their team is absolutely incredible right now and from my yeah. experience i feel like you kind of helped set the precedence for that if that makes sense you were kind Thank of like you. On, you were like kind of on top when i started getting into college so 
I just remember like my first SECs because um, I went to Vanderbilt before yeah. I went to Oregon. And yeah. I just remember like seeing your guys' entire team on top of like the SEC podium doing the Woo Pig or whatever the salute is. And I was what like, What do you mean, whatever? Woo Pig Suey. <laughs> but I was like, What is this? Like, I just, I had no idea. And that was like my first introduction to kind of like how good the team was. Do you yeah. feel like, I don't know, it kind of improved as your time there or like, I don't know. I'm just curious to your thoughts on how like the team has been developing to like what it is now. Yeah. So the men's Arkansas program has an incredible history. When I got to Arkansas in 2011, they'd won like 41 national titles. Um, I think five of them had been triple crowns, like just an incredible history. Most of it being with John McDonald being the men's coach. Um, Lance Hutter had been the head coach of the women's team for I think about 20 years when I got there. He's been there for a while now. And he had some great athletes like Dina Casta and Kristen Worth Thomas and um, I'm trying to think, uh, Amy Yoda Bagley. Like, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah. Like, so many great, great athletes um, that a lot of them had done well individually, but I don't think they'd ever fully had that momentum as a team to like you know do well together and then get the recruits and just like have that ball rolling or that like snowball effect and I think now they really have that like every year they're getting the best recruits you know so they have the best freshman class and it's just it's just the snowball effect so um yeah they have this they have this magic and I can't see it ending or stopping anytime soon yeah, they've been getting, like, a ton of good recruits. I'm like, this team is going to be on top for a long time. Yeah, I – actually, none of my records have been broken yet, my school oh. records, but I'm, like, just waiting for the day because they're just some incredible athletes at the University of Arkansas right now. Yeah. So did you graduate in 2016? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you won the 5K and the 10K your last year, right? Yes. Man, you really went out with a bang. That's like the, I feel like that's the most ideal way to end a college career. The 5K, 10K, NCAA double. How was that experience? Yeah, um, you know, my last year just couldn't have been any better. Um, <laughs> I say that like, just like so gratefully, like it was just perfect. My senior year, I didn't have indoor eligibility. I just had cross country and outdoor. So um, the previous, so my senior year indoors, I had won the 3K individually, which was my first NCAA individual title, as well as anchored the DMR team to a, a victory. We also, at, at that meet, so this is 2015, we won off the Arkansas Razorbacks as a team, we won our first team title for any female program on campus. So it was huge. And then going to my senior year, um, you know, the goal was to win the outdoor title. Uh, I think we had come second the year before. Um, I had come runner up in both the five and the 10K of my junior year, the 5K to Emily Sisson and the 10K to Molly Seidel. So I was really pumped up to try and take the, like the double victory my senior year. And things just like worked out perfectly. I am so grateful, you know, so um, like, I don't know, it was just, it was just perfect. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, so you got second in both the year before and then you got first the next year in both. That's like, you couldn't ask for an ideal or a more ideal situation, I guess, your senior year. 
I just yeah, can't imagine like, how good that would feel after coming in second both the year before. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, people don't, obviously you don't really ride up when you come second, but I came second in the 3K indoors my junior year too. So all of my NCAA victories were, um, you know, came after having come second the year before. Um, oh so I guess that just like always gave me the, the motivation that I needed, you know, going into the season the following year uh, to make sure that I wasn't runner up at that time that I was on the top. But yeah, so I grad, I win the 5K and the 10K or the 10K and then the 5K that helped secure the Lady Razorbacks team title, our first NCAA team title, uh, outdoor team title. So that was amazing. Um, and then I got to sign with Adidas. So it was just like 2016 was just a magical year. Yeah. And then you represented um, South Africa in the Olympics too. That was yes. that, literally, that must have been the coolest year ever. Yeah, and I squeezed in running my first professional race for Adidas in between NCAAs and the Olympics, and it was the Monaco Diamond League, which I don't know if there's a cooler track meet, a, a professional track meet either. Yeah, so you signed with Adidas, and then what, what was that process like? Like, what was kind of graduating from college and then transitioning to the professional world? Like, how, how did that come about, and why did you choose to go with Adidas? Um... Well, it was exciting and nervous all at the same time, like so many emotions. I knew that or I felt pretty confident in the fact that I'd be able to get a professional contract. Um, in January of my senior year, a couple of agents started reaching out to me. And so because of that, I felt pretty confident that I'd be able to get um, a sponsorship. I didn't know how much. I didn't know like how many companies would throw their names in the hat. I really didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, but after my double win at NCAAs, the agent that I signed with was Mark Wetmore. He came up to me and said, hey, Adidas is really interested in uh, rep uh, having you represent them and being an ambassador for their company. So, you know, there were a few other companies that I guess, you know, put a contract in front of me, but the Adidas contract was by far the strongest. Um, and it took us like a month or so to kind of get the final paperwork done. And that month was pretty nerve wracking for me and pretty, pretty nerve wracking and exciting. Like as a, I don't know, I think I was 22 years old. As a 22 year old, I was just like so excited and I wanted it done like yesterday. Um, so I remember waiting impatiently for the deal to finally come through. And, um, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty easy process. So after the Olympics happened, how was like your come off of 2016? Like what did the next year look like? How are you mentally? How did you kind of transition from like that absolutely epic year of like going pro, going to the Olympics, probably accomplishing a lot of the goals that you've had? Like what was your mentality like going into the next year? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, it was actually really hard, which is almost embarrassing to admit, right? Because I had this incredible eight months of 2016 and it just felt like, well, not felt like my dreams did come true. You know, um, I was able to tick off all my childhood dreams of earning a, earning a scholarship to the US, um, signing a professional contract, going to the Olympics, representing South Africa, like all these huge things that I'd been working on and dreaming of since I'd been 12 years old, I had achieved them. But all of a sudden it was like, now what? What's yeah. next? 
you know, I went to the Olympics and it was an incredible experience, but I also, I think growing up, I thought that if I became an Olympian, if I represented South Africa on that world stage, that I would have made it, if I can use that saying. I think a lot of people feel that way. Like they see the Olympics as like the pinnacle of athletic success. Right. And it is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But competing in the Olympics, competing in, in Rio, it didn't change me. I didn't leave Rio a better person or a better athlete or um, changed at all. I was still me. I was still Dom Scott. And that was like an interesting time because it was something that I'd worked for for so long. And I thought that I don't know what I thought, but I, I guess I just thought that like it would be this life changing experience and that it would fulfill me. And it really didn't. So then I had to almost like pivot my mindset to, okay, I don't think any race or any performance is going to fulfill me. So I can't put like my identity in running. Like I have to put my identity in something else. And that's where I feel like I've been, I was pretty lucky at an early stage in my career to realize, okay, I'm not going to put my identity in running. I'm going to, you know, be fulfilled by my faith and my family and other things. Um, Obviously, I'm still working incredibly hard and I want to achieve big things, but just not to put running on this pedestal or think that if I achieve something that it's going to make me a better person. And I think the thing, like, I mean, I never (laughs) have been to the Olympics. I've never run in the Olympics, but (laughs) I feel like, the Olympics is also like you went to Monaco before the Olympics. Right. I feel like you're racing a lot of the same people. Like the competition is not as different as it is compared to like other diamond league meets in the season, like at the Olympics. It's like right. a bigger meet. Yes. Because it's the Olympics. You have millions of people watching or whatever, but I feel like was the race that different compared to like other diamond league events that you've been to like the field um, itself. <laughs> So I ran in the 10,000. The 10,000 was that crazy race where Ayana, I think that's her name, she ran the Olympic 5K world, uh, 5K record, the second 5K in the 10K. Oh, so it was nice. this crazy fast race. It was this crazy fast race. My coach stayed back in Arkansas. He told me the race is going to be tactical. It's a champion. It's a championship. It will be a championship style race. Like you'll be in it to 5k. Then the second 5k, you just got to race. You just got to dig deep. So I'm like standing on the start line thinking all of this. Nope. 200 meters in the, I think there were like 30 of us on the start line. It was a straight final 200 meters in we're single file We're I'm on PR pace. It was a crazy race. So I don't say, I wouldn't say that it's like, comparable to how the diamond league races are um also obviously diamond leagues don't have the ten thousand meters so that makes a big difference but you are right it's a lot of the same people you know it's the same process of call rooms and warming up and you know all of that the same agents and people around it definitely feels like a bigger deal because it's the olympics and you're wearing your you're wearing your country's uniform and your country's name on your chest so that definitely you know adds a little bit of pressure and I think gives you a little bit of extra motivation and pride um, going into the race but at the end of the day it's just another race Um, and I think that's something that 
you know, doesn't need to take away from the fact that it's the Olympics. It, it, hopefully it can help athletes know that, you know, it's the same thing. You're just putting one foot in front of the other. Um, there's going to be a, a starting pistol and there'll be a finish line. And, you know, in between that, you just got to try your best. Yeah, definitely. And then this year, I mean, I don't even know how to kind of categorize this year, but I feel like so many things didn't happen that were supposed to happen. One of them being the Olympics. How have you handled yeah. that? Um, and also, I'll ask the next question after after you answer. Okay. Um, you know, I think it was a similar lesson to the Olympics and like kind of fulfilling my childhood dreams in 2016. Um, since, since the Olympics, you know, to now, a lot of things have changed. I left my Arkansas coach and came out to Boulder. My husband and I moved here after the Doha World Championships last year. Um, I joined a training group in Boulder. We call ourselves Team Boss and Joe Bossard is uh, coaching me. And our team definitely has this level of excellence that we try to bring to practice daily. Um, and it definitely helps us bring out the best in ourselves. Um, sometimes it can be exhausting. I mean, you know, it's our job and I think it's the way that it should be. And it's the way that we, you know, will be able to run to our full potential. Um, but when everything stopped, it made me realize like it was almost a reminder again, like, hey, you are a person outside of running and it's okay to not put your identity in the sport. Um, so it was a time to kind of like stop and reflect again. I learned a lot of lessons this year. Um, like firstly, like I just shared, once again, not to put my identity in the sport. Um, I think the second lesson that I learned, it was kind of a hard lesson to learn and hopefully I can learn from it and never make the same mistake again. But I think I overtrained this year without having races um, on the schedule periodically where they were structured into the season and I was almost forced to take down weeks to taper for these races. I was just like training like a mad woman, like thinking, okay, 2020 is my year to kind of not catch up, but just like use this extra time, just like, you know, get extra strength, get extra speed. And around, I don't know, midway through June, all of a sudden I started seeing cracks in my training, things that were very much like not like, like me. And we didn't know what was wrong. So we were looking into like all these different avenues, like, was it mental? I was working with a psychologist. Was it um, nutrition was I under fueling so I was working with a nutritionist trying to fix all these things and we just kept kept like adding and adding and adding and it was exhausting and at the end of the season we finally like looked back and reflected and I was like I think when I was adding maybe I needed to be actually taking away like more is not always more you know sometimes less is more and so I learned the hard lesson this year that I do have a ceiling and that I really need to respect rest going forwards. Um, I'm not an athlete that gets injured very often, which is something, knock on wood, you know, I'm just so lucky and very grateful for. Um, but I don't have those like telltale signs of like, hey, we're pushing too much, we need to back off. Um, so I'm kind of able to just like grind and keep pushing and keep adding miles. 
it did catch up to me this year. So that was another big lesson I learned. So you talk about the cracks that you were seeing in your training. Do you want to emphasize on what those were? Were they injuries? Yeah. No, no, not really injuries. It was just things like workouts that I would normally be able to do. All of a sudden I was getting three quarters of the way through and I would complete the workout, but not as well as I wanted to or should be or should be able to. So it was just, yeah, it was, that's pretty much what it was. Okay. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it just kind of shows that even people at your caliber or like professional runners in general, they, I feel like everyone goes through this or you kind of need to push that fine line and kind of find the balance because like you said, more isn't always better and you need to kind of find when you're hitting that ceiling, like you said. Yeah. Because I mean, we're always wanting to get better, right? I mean, we're always pushing the envelope. We're always, you know, trying to find that line. And I think I just found it this year, which is something that, you know, on one hand, I'm almost proud of like, oh my gosh, I, I trained so hard. I pushed my body like into the wall. Like it was dead. It was, I was done um, mentally and physically. On the other hand, I'm like, wow, that was like really stupid. Why didn't you listen to the signs? You know, Um, things like not being able to sleep so well, you know, things like that. Um, But hopefully, luckily it was 2020, a year where there weren't many races um they weren't any championships and hopefully I can just learn from it going forward so now really um just not ignore those little signs and listen to my body and just be smart about things yeah this is definitely I mean if there is a year to do it this is definitely the one to kind of find that ceiling of yours and it's probably just a good learning lesson going into next year um probably a little bit more prepared in in that sort of sense but I feel like overtrain or I don't know your situation is it just shows that you have like a good mentality to work hard so I feel like it's better than the other direction I don't know no for sure it's like I've always been someone obviously since I've been 12 years old I've been super driven like I've wanted to be better than the day before um you know I've wanted to you know be the best athlete I can possibly be and you know I'm not afraid of working hard I'm not afraid of doing the work um and this year I guess I just you know, with moving to altitude full time, I just overdid it. Yeah. I mean, moving to altitude, I feel like that just takes it out of you. That's just a whole different element that a lot of people don't experience. How has Colorado been for you? Yeah. Colorado has been great. It's really a different, we're like Cameron and I, my husband and I are living a very different lifestyle than what we lived in Arkansas. It's a little bit more, um, I don't know, like a younger lifestyle, if I can explain it like that. Yeah, (laughs) We're um, living, I would kind of say in the heart of Boulder, where we've downsized to one car, we've downsized to a smaller house, where we get to just like walk a lot. So we walk to the grocery store, I walk to my team's gym, Cameron walks to his gym. Um, He's working from home now. So it just like kind of feels like a little bit more fun and a little bit younger lifestyle. Um, and being able to train with my training partners on a daily basis has just been such a treat. I was so lonely in Arkansas my first two years running pro. It really was a hard adjustment from going to, from running with the Lady Razorbacks on a daily basis where you have a friend with you every step of the way, um, to going to running by myself and not having anyone around me who understands the goals and 
just the situation that I'm in and what I'm trying to achieve. It was really lonely. So for that aspect too, it's been so fun to be in Boulder. Man, I can't imagine training without training partners, especially at the level that you're at. Like having you, I feel like you need someone to push you in these reps. If I had at least even had a coach that was there, I think it would have made a big difference. But Coach Harder was pretty preoccupied with the Lady Razorbacks. And then when Joe started coaching me, he was actually coaching me remotely. So I was in Arkansas and he was sending me my programs for about a year and a half before we moved to Boulder. So you know, I had no one on the track with me. Sometimes I was hopping the fence of a track, you know, so that I could do a workout. And it just made me feel so alone. And you know, it really wasn't fun. I can imagine you're like a professional runner, a professional athlete hopping a fence to be like, I hope no one catches me on the track. Yeah, like, uh, like, I'm training for the Olympics. Can I please use your track? Yeah, I hope. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then why did you decide to move to Boulder full time? I mean, it was really just that I was miserable. My husband could see it. Um, You know, I was asking him to come and help me with workouts whenever he could. So before work or after work or during his lunch break, he would come just to like hold a stopwatch or maybe I could convince him to put on some running shoes and run a couple laps with me. And then I was also barely in Arkansas. I was traveling to Boulder or Crested Butte to be with my teammates before big races. I would do little training camps with them. Then I was obviously flying to my races themselves, some of them being overseas. I was going to South Africa whenever I needed to be at my championships or my trials. So between all of that, it felt like I was never actually in Arkansas. So Cameron, I guess, was finally finally gave in or threw in the towel because he was like if I ever want to see my wife I guess I have to move to Boulder yeah that makes sense yeah so you had like such a good 2016 in the last couple years what are your goals now for 2021 after this crazy 2020 that we have (laughs) encountered yeah I mean 2020 um like I said just was not the year any of us were hoping for learned some hard lessons so going into 2021 definitely want to right those wrongs and make sure that I'm learning from my mistakes you know we're not making any mistakes again I think that's a big goal of mine going into 2021 and something I'm trying to like keep on my mind all the time um then on the track like I feel like I have so many goals that I still want to achieve. I have some South African indoor records, but I don't have any national outdoor records. So I'd really like to get one of those in either the five or the 10K. South Africa's actually had some like studs in the past. So they had like Ilana Mayer and Zola Bud, and they set some records that that are gonna be really hard to break. I think the 5K record is 1444, and the the 10,000 is like 3050. So not shabby oh records at all for a small little country, but I'm inching my way closer. So that's definitely a big goal of mine um, to try and break those records. So I also have some goals for the road that I'm pretty excited about. I've never run a half marathon, let alone a marathon, but I think my training indicates that I would be good at both of those events so I definitely like to try my hand at both the half and the full marathon in the future not quite yet but sometime soon 
Yeah, well, I mean, if you train for the 10K, I feel like you are building a good base for a good marathon in the future, though it's a 20-mile difference. Um, no, but you're right. Like, definitely, if if you're gravitating towards the 10K on the track, like, you should probably try those road races. Yeah, you should probably just, you know, add 20 miles to, to the race. <laughs> yeah. That's I don't know how that makes sense, but it does. I mean, it works <laughs> out usually, so... No, for sure. I'm pretty lucky. I have Laura Sweet, who came fifth at the U.S. Marathon Trials um, in my training team. So I get to train with her a lot. And she doesn't make it as daunting as I used to think it was. So now I'm like more, I'm more okay with the idea of running those distances. Yeah, maybe just have a couple more years of, you know, dabbling in the 10K and you'll be even more accustomed to the marathon lifestyle training. For sure. For sure. And then personally, like what, do you have any hobbies outside of running? You say that you don't like to put like all your identity in your running career. So do you do anything on the side that's that people need to know about? Oh, not really. I would say I'm boring on that front. Honestly, I just love having friends outside of my running world, like friends that, you know, understand running, but they also like, don't our friendship isn't based on my last race um you're not talking so about I mean, like what reps you were doing yesterday right. or what someone exactly. else was doing oh did you see that workout on instagram or whatever exactly so hanging out with my friends a lot um definitely i feel like keeps me sane and keeps that balance in life um doing just like fun activities with my husband is always great like he's really into golf right now so even if I'm going to the range with him and like hitting a couple balls or something like that, but I wouldn't say that I have like any big hobbies that have continued, you know, through every season of life outside of running. Yeah. Just dabble in anything that seems interesting at the time. Golf. Yeah. Yeah. Golf or I don't know, <laughs> cooking or baking or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Awesome. Well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I feel like, oh, one thing I wanted to ask you about. So you do yeah. like, are you sponsored by Stella McCartney too? I'm so curious on that side of things. No, I wish I was. Um, I, for whatever reason, some lucky reason, have just always been sent the Stella McCartney shipments um, for the past few years. And when Stella sends you a shipment, you better post about it. <laughs> yeah, also, it just seems so cool. You're like the only person I've seen that like posts about it. So I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no, I definitely feel very lucky. I mean, the Stella McCartney, um, Stella McCartney by Adidas apparel is so cool. So I feel very lucky to get to um, wear it and be an ambassador for Stella McCartney. Stella, I think most companies these days, but they're um, Stella McCartney when they send me stuff, they'll send me like a posting guide. So I also kind of have instructions of what I need to post and how I need to post it. So um, hence all of my pictures and videos and all of that. Well, they look awesome. You're legit like a Stella model. So that makes sense. Thank you. Do you have any other pieces? Do you have any other pieces of Adidas um, gear that you like? Like what shoes do you wear? Ooh, um, honestly, I wear the Ultra Boost like most of the time outside of running like just the even just like the pure white I think is so cool that's what I'm wearing today um you know and they go with every outfit um 
Oh, but my absolute favorite too, I almost forgot about it, is the Continental 80, which was really big, I think about two years ago, but they're a casual shoe of similar, I guess, to their Stan Smith, but just like a super comfortable shoe, very like, um, like kind of like low key, you know, it's not flashy, so it goes with every outfit. They had some fun colors. I bought the men's color because they had like this uh, pink. It was like, I was going to say Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, that's the right, that's the right brand. Yeah. I was trying to think. Like a Pepto-Bismol pink. It was it's so cool. I still have the shoes. Um, so the Continental 80s are definitely one of my favorites too. Awesome. Well, this, I, that was like so random. That was just a question I had personally, <laughs> but I feel like other people would be interested. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Thank you just, like so much for coming on. I feel like this is a great episode. I learned a lot. Uh, this is like cool. our first time speaking, but I, I, don't yeah. know, I learned a lot about you and your overall experience, whether that be college or professional, your goals that you have. And I'm cool. sure a lot of other people want to follow you on social media, see how you do, you know, the remainder of 2020 and the 2021 year. So where can people follow you at? Yeah, um, I mean, Instagram is most probably the main one. My Instagram handle is Dom Scott Run SA. I feel like it's one of those like funny handles that I made back in the day that I'd never choose again. <laughs> like, why would I put run for obviously for running in my Instagram handle? That I guess, you know, I thought it was cool when I was 18 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, when Instagram um, first came out, you know, there's no judgment of people who made their accounts back then. Yeah. Um, and you know, I normally share everything there and, uh, people can follow my story, uh, right there on my Instagram page. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to close out the episode. Can we get a peace out fellas? Yeah. Peace out fellas. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of commas over cold brew. Big shout out to Megan C for supporting the podcast. I give one of my supporters a shout out in each episode and it's super easy to support. It's just through the anchor platform. The link is in the show notes. If you want a free way to support rating and reviewing on Apple podcasts helps me out so much. And I just love reading your guys' reviews. It's, it's so fun to just go through and see what you guys think about the podcast. I really appreciate it. Follow at Convos Over Cold Brew Pod on Instagram if you want to be up to date or sometimes submit listener questions depending on the episode. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and I will hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.